This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans, in this July 25th episode where a heat wave is going on outside and I have to turn my air off to do this podcast. Thank you for your service, Ryan. You could support this podcast for as low as a price of a cup of coffee or a beer. Patreon.com slash Booster's Breakaway. You get access to BSBOT, Discord, and more. It's how we keep doing this podcast every single week for the last 330 fucking million weeks or something. All right, cool. Uh, without further ado, let's get to the show. What are we talking about today? It's summer. There's a lot of WWE news. There's baseball. Tim Gettinger side. That's huge. It's huge. Okay. And we have Connor Rogers from the Mets pod here. He's also an SNY person, so we'll be hanging out with him. All right, transition. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Breaker fans, welcome to the week of the I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. And Greg, how are you? Say hello. That's what Oh, I'm man. Saying. Kevin Kiermeyer's out for the rest of the year. Yeah, so is Mike Zanino. I mean, a lot to talk about. I mean, the Rangers made some huge moves in the last week. Triple H is head of creative for WWE. Aaron Judge is on fire. Where do you want to start? Oh, Aaron Judge is on fire. I am still rooting for the scenario in which the Yankees go so hard for Juan Soto, can't get him. But the process pisses off Aaron Judge, so he leaves too and becomes a New York Met. I am 1,000% there. Don't think it's out of play. <laughs> I think it's realistic, as crazy as well, it now, is. I, I also think that, uh, listen, do you want to know why it's not out of play? One of the two New York teams has money, and it ain't the one in the Bronx. I saw a theory the other day. It was like, well, actually, Steve Cohen's money is tied up in this, this, and this. And I was like... Okay. Billions. <laughs> but, but billions. He's worth more than like half the league combined. Yeah. I also love the uh, the theory that's been going around now that the Nationals have to trade Soto now because they're selling the team and the new owners don't want to be the guys that's traded Soto. So they have to trade him before the new guys come in, which I just think is great. That's wonderful. I also, I love that... The Angels are now dangling Otani for major league pieces that can help them win now. Gentlemen, you have Otani and Mike Trout, and you can't win now. Why do you think trading Otani for other pieces will, quote-unquote, help you be more competitive? Just, uh, just you, an fa- MVP. you failed already. Just an MVP candidate. You know, let's just get rid of him. That's a good idea. <laughs> oh, God, I love baseball this time of year because nothing else in the world – Literally nothing else in the world is happening, right? Well, this Tim, Tim world... Gettinger signed a huge contract for the New York wow, Rangers. I mean, he's 6'6". My bad. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. He's, he's a, to, to quote the great Brock Lesnar, which I will now do all the time whenever I see Daniel Vogelbach, the man, the myth, the legend on my TV, big boy! That's what I have <laughs> to say about Tim Gettinger. <laughs> uh, Vogelbach we'll get to in a few minutes because, Wow. I how <laughs> what revelation. I can't I was pushing everybody was like oh my god I can't this is really the Mets this this is a Wilpon Mets move we're gonna bring in this guy who doesn't even help and I'm like this is the most entertaining man in baseball and you don't want him on your team it is kind of like Bartolo reincarnated but he's beauty and he's grace Ryan oh man that I don't know why beauty and grace reminds me of Game of Thrones which by the way um no I'm not I don't understand that trailer. Someone, what are we listen, doing? I understand that it's in the medieval times when they were dragons, but I don't understand where we are. Right yeah, now. what are we doing? I, it's a prequel? I, I I can't name something in pop culture that 
everybody cared about so much for so long that you and I on a Raiders podcast that also talks about the Mets, gambling, and horse racing, and other things among that, had to do a section at the end of the podcast for years where we would do a Game of Thrones 20 minutes to not getting a literal fuck about it. I don't think I look, it looks good. I understand. I'm sure great production. Great. I'm not a, I'm not the books guy. So I don't know where in the, in the before times we are with this. Uh, I'm also just not a huge believer in prequels. Like I, if, if this story was so interesting to tell before the story you told, you would have told it. Right. Yeah. That's kind of where I am. This is why I, you know what movies I hate that I think are the worst movies in human history. Star Wars. prequels. All of, all of the Hobbit prequels. Yeah. The fuck is that? It, and, what are we doing? And The Hobbit is a good book. Solid book. But the movies... It's, yeah, it's fine. You didn't need three. Did not well, need no, but, those. No, but again, like, gun to your head, what's the most interesting story to tell here? Oh, it's Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King. Those are the ones you want to tell. And no, I understand it made a lot of money, and then all of a sudden you get to go, well, The Hobbit's kind of interesting, too. If The Hobbit was interesting, you would have made the movie first. Also, it's that simple. The Hobbit should have been one movie, and that's it. Wasn't it like it was seven or something? No, it was right? three, I believe. But it uh, felt like seven. It could have been. Anywho, Vince McMahon Anywho. retired. Where do we stand? <laughs> and a lot of air quotes on that one, right? Uh, well, okay. Definitely let's, wasn't forced people, whatsoever. Pe- people are ripping their hair out being like, talk about the Rangers. All yeah, right, sure. So let's quickly talk about All right. the Rangers. Ryan Reeves Apple is in Taco. a boot on Instagram. So there you go. Cool. Don't know what that's about. Doesn't mean... Doesn't mean the injury happened in the playoffs. He could have done something on a jet ski after the season ended. So that's fun speculation. Don't know what happened there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capo Caco, hockey stat miner, dug up some stats because, you know, hockey stat miner. Is it funny? Digging. I saw, what he does. I saw a tweet today that was like, talk about the most irrelevant stat you know. And then immediately after that was hockey stat miner's stat about, what was the exact one? Uh, six, six of nine former top five picks hadn't signed their bridge deal until September. Wow. Or something like that. Yeah, here it is. And two and two of them that did are Alex Galchenyuk and someone else that, uh, for lack of a better term, was pee pee poo poo. So, yeah, I guess apparently Kako is just not going to sign this contract for another six weeks. Cool, great. That gives us plenty to speculate about. Well, it's not like Kadri uh, signed anything. It's uh, let's see what else. Tyler Mott still a free agent. Don't know what's happening mm-hmm. there. Looking up Matthew now, Kachuk. Now why do you do that? Yes, Matthew. Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk not a fit for the New York Islanders. I'm told. Well, listen, the Kachuk thing is interesting because it's the first sign trade, I believe, in NHL history, period. Well, the, the, sign, the, the Kachuk thing is interesting because that's what happens when you schedule a story to post and you don't realize that maybe it's too late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, New York Post. Uh, but we do love Molly. There you go. And, and, Molly's the best. And, and Larry, Larry, listen. Listen, Larry's much, the click king. Gumption, he's the click king. The guy, the guy when he says nothing, I'm, it makes me want to read. It's fine. I his his article from over the weekend, and I clicked it. He posted it, and I think I clicked it 14 seconds after he posted it. It was like, Capo Caco has yet to receive an offer sheet. Is that actually good for the Rangers? <laughs> is it, no, is that no Capo Caco's? It wasn't good for the Rangers. Is Capo Caco has to receive an offer sheet? Is that actually bad for the Rangers? Yes, it's actually because bad. it signals that no team actually likes him. Oh, Chris, and it's like this is amazing. The, I love every second of this. That's an we angle I would have never part. taken. Only Larry could take that angle. Uh, Anyway, the Kachuk trade. I gotta say, um, all first of all, it, hell, the, the Flames did well, right? First, first things first. I understand Uyghur and Uberdo 
are two guys that the Flames now need to convince to stay. And maybe they won't be able to do that. And maybe they're just shipping them off for even more assets at the trade deadline. But you know what? That's a worry for a couple months from now. Again, Huberdeau's value today will not change between now and the deadline. So whatever you can get for him today, you're just going to be able to get that in a couple months. So why not give it a go? Uh, it takes Elias Lindholm away from me again, which thinks, which Quick, you quickly, know. quickly explain because for people that weren't on BSBOT last week, we sure, talked about how. Sure. Go ahead, go ahead. Do your thing. We, I, we talked on OT about how you know if the Flames were tearing it down, the one guy the Flame the Rangers might be able to fit in a guy that we know they've liked in the past though his previous management, and a guy who would really fit this win now window because he has two years and less than five million dollars per year left on his deal was Elias Lindholm. But that, again, is a question you only have if the Flames are tearing it down. And it gets into the conversation of, well, do you, did the Rangers shoot their load too early by signing Trocek? Should they have tried to wait this market out if they knew that Goudreau and Tachaka were going to leave? But at the same time, you know, you have to understand the Flames thinking. The Flames didn't want to lose Goudreau. They didn't want to trade Kachuk. They have all these pieces that they like under contract. They want to remain competitive. And I, you have to give the Flames credit for getting two impact players in return for Kachuk on top of draft picks. Like, they did really well here. Uberdo scored more points than Kachuk last year. I understand that Uberdo uh, uh, is going to be playing with different line mates and Kachuk is going to be playing with, you know, he's still an elite talent and all that. But... If you're going to trade a guy that you can't keep, you did really well. And I, I it it sucks as a Ranger fan because now it takes another hypothetical off the board. A hypothetical, by the way, that I'm sure Chris Jury had previously asked about and understood wasn't going to happen, at least not right now. But you do have to give Calgary credit. They're still going for it. They lost two really good players. They brought in two really good players. Are they as good as they were at this time no last chance. year? No, no. But they don't have to be, right? No. They still have Markstrom. They still have a strong roster. That's still a playoff team. And we know that if, if you get a hot goalie, it makes up for a lot in the playoffs. And, and if, I you think sign, Flames, if you could sign either of those guys to deals, like, not so bad. Like, there's specifically, a... specifically Huberdo, right? Yeah. That's the Mackenzie Weger is a great, a, a nice player. And Analytics I know the, like, the, yeah. the chart community that we sometimes like to claim that we are a part of, but most times we are just kind of passengers mm. and have chart boys. Blue bar good, red, char, red bar bad. That's how far right. I go. Yes. Uyghur, Uyghur, big blue bar good guy. Yes. He, he, the, the bars like him. He is enjoyable in that sector of the world. He's a bar guy. But really, if the Flames weren't going to be able to sign Huberto as a free agent, right? Because – if he really didn't want to come to Calgary, it's not like you're going to be able to make that sales pitch to him in July. But you at least are buying yourself time to do the sales pitch. He's going to a team that's still trying to be competitive. It's a team that gives a shit. It's a team that's going to keep adding, which is great. But the Ranger perspective of this, Kachuk was never happening. We knew that. The price was too high. Lindholm was our pie in the sky. Well, this guy's available guy. But same thing applies there, right? Like the Rangers will have more cap space at the deadline than they do today. And if they want Lindholm, then they can go get him then if the Flames make that decision. He's one of the few guys that fits the mold of what the Rangers want to do on the ice and fits the mold of the timeline in which the Rangers have to do it. So it it's over for now, which is a bummer because it's one less thing that we're going to get to talk about 
on this year radio program that is also a podcast, or I should say mainly a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, never on not radio. really ever live on radio. I think no. I think you've done no. a radio spot or two. I've done like three, and that's about it. Yep, that's that checks out. We're very, very, very important people, as people understand. But it's <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's it's hard it's hard sometimes to realize that on July twenty fifth, like the Rangers have no moves left, but like the Rangers have no moves left. This is it. Yeah, it is kind of like, hey, when's uh, someone actually tweeted me this week? Like, when's when's camp? It was like sometime early September, <laughs> I think. They're not even playing. I saw someone in our Discord posted the Traverse City tournament this year, and the Rangers aren't doing that. So it's like won't even have prospect games to overreact to. It's gonna we be just a, have this. It's gonna be a weird August. I'll, I'll put it. Yeah, there's nothing really. It's Capocacco's contract that gets signed. Maybe not even in August. I, I can't even. I, I can't the only and and we should make it clear: the only scenario in which the Rangers get Mott is if somehow Reeves moves on, which it, I don't think the Rangers are going to move on from Reeves. I just don't. I can see it as we've talked about, but we're not going to get too deep in the woods because it's not entertaining at all. I think they could move Reeves. I think maybe he's a little. I don't. I, just because they don't play him, I don't think that means they're. I think they view again. We've said this before. I truly think they view Reeves as like an extension of the coaching staff. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, not only is he such a coaching staff, he's like uh, like a mentor to a lot of the guys who are younger there. I mean, not that he Kreider, makes, you know, isn't He a makes well. the room feel better about itself with his presence. Yeah. And I, I think Drury does put a lot of stock into that. I really – like Ryan Strom was a popular guy in the locker room. No one's saying that. But at least you make the argument with Strom where it was a years and dollars decision, right? Yeah. But with Reeves, it's like – it's not really – like – we're talking about Ryan Reeves preventing the New York Rangers from signing Tyler Mott, which, yes, you and I would both sit here and say the New York Rangers were, would be a better hockey team if they had Tyler Mott. But at least that is like a move on the margins, right? The difference between the Rangers with and without Tyler Mott is what? Four points in the standings, if that? If that. And it, really, you want Tyler Mott for the playoffs. If you could just Tampa Bay lightning this and just pick Tyler Mott up for the playoff run, that's the only reason. Yeah. That's what you want. Maybe the maybe Drury is actually working the phones trying to get someone to sign Mott for one year at $1.5 so he could just trade for him at the deadline again. Wouldn't be the worst idea. And maybe he thinks Ryan Carpenter is Mott. He's not. Well, maybe he thinks he is. He's certainly I don't know. I, I, I still – Carpenter – I. You can't expect Mott to take the Carpenter contract, right? Like, Mott no. wasn't going to settle for $750,000. But this is what I don't understand. There's all these free agents out there that are still demanding. You know, Klingberg and it being one, Kadri another. Unless Kadri had secretly signed with the Islanders already, of which he has not. It, it's... <laughs> our boy our boy Phil Kessel, by the way, still sitting out there. It's just a, There's a decent amount of NHL caliber players sitting out in the market asking for millions of dollars. There's not a lot of cap space outside of like what, like Jersey has some. Well, okay. Jersey, I, it's we're past the point of huh with Jesper Brat, right? Like it's 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 weird at this point. I'm not saying anything's going to happen there. I, listen, we would have known about an offer sheet by now if one existed, right? So no one no one else is stepping up to drop the bag for Jesper Brat. Well, at not the yet. same time, there are there, last year. What was it? It was middle of August that the offer sheet happened with Montreal and and Carolina. So yeah, but it was also middle of August where like the off season started. That's fair. Entire timeline was fucked up last year. Right, you're right. Okay, good point. So it, I, I don't think, I don't think someone is waiting to drop the bag on Brat. But at least it's interesting that the Devils can't get him to sign a long term deal. 
or that there's enough of a negotiation going on right now that it just it makes me go, hmm, that's interesting. Or is it just like, hey, guys, hockey doesn't really happen in July. Everybody take your vacation and let's meet up. It's totally possible. It's totally possible that every decision maker is in a cottage. And this we are sitting here trying to make something out of absolutely nothing. And it's just, again, this league, you can't rule out that nothing is firmly on the table and everyone just left. Like, hey, I got to go to Europe for two weeks. Or, hey, I'm in South America on a beach. No big deal. I'll be back uh, August. Let's talk then. We'll talk contract then. Twitter was quick to point out that Woj dropped the latest Kevin Durant rumor at 2.30 in the morning. 2.30 in the morning. (laughs) That's when he sent out the first tweet saying the Celtics have made a competitive offer for Durant and the Nets have countered. 2.30. 30 a.m. He didn't wait for people to wake up. He's like, fuck this. I have the information. I'm running with it now. I, I wasn't NHL awake. NHL insiders wait for the teams to break the news. It's insane. I wasn't up for the Kachuk uh, trade, but I think only, what was Frank was the only one awake, I think. It was, it was min- like a, but it wasn't even like awake. It was a Friday night. Yep. Yeah, it's like everyone's out. That was it. Well, then, also, the line news happened. It was like, Patrick Line extension. Columbus Blue Jackets, four years. But also, here, perfect encapsulation of NHL insiders. We found out four days later that it was a sign-in trade. Like, <laughs> how is... <laughs> and people people were just... It wasn't even confirmed. People were just speculating. They're like, oh, it is an eight-year deal. Well, in order for it to be an eight-year deal, I guess he would have had to sign before he got... Tra- Look at that. It's a sign-in trade. How about that? Huh. And I'm just like, what? What do you... What? Come on. What a league. What well, a league. Huberdeau apparently also wasn't told he was getting traded. Fun times. This league. This league. The drama. Finally. Do you, do you have a problem with that? No, dude. There, I'm not sure I do. I don't. And here's why. I would have a problem with it if there if this league didn't give out a million no-move contracts. They give out a million. The Rangers... What? How many players on the Rangers have no-move contracts? Nine? Nine players? Oh, I, think, like that? I think there's seven highest paid players with the exception of maybe Fox all have no move contracts. Barclay's got one, right? Oh, he has no trade. I think Fox has one as well, doesn't he? I'm not sure. You know, I love how we try to do this from memory and it's not like there's a website. Is there a by website the way, where we can check this? By the way, I do have to say, as much as you and I love Cap Friendly, and we do, we speak its praises all the time. It has been a little bit off. With the if Rangers. I see one more person... Well, it's not, it's not just a little off. It, it has the Rangers at $4.8 million in cap space, but also has the Rangers with five defensemen, Vitaly Kravtsov in the minors. Like, it's it's just factually incorrect with the New York Rangers. Um, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, um, Vincent Trocek all have no move clauses. Yep. Modified no trade for Barclay Goodrow. Fox has no clauses on his contract. Jacob Truba and Yaroslav Halak both have no move clauses. And that's it. Okay. Still, that's a lot. I guess you don't have to give Adam. You don't have to give Adam Fox a no move clause because one, you're not trading him, and two, he forced his way onto your team. Yes. So like you're good, right? Yeah. No. No need. I get that. But with, but yeah, tra- guys, tra- if no more no more citing four point eight million dollars in cap space, five defensemen, uh, cap friendly has. We know the Rangers going to carry seven, so that's about one point eight million dollars, and then you have the nine hundred or eight hundred thousand dollars. Vitaly Kravtsov's is owed because it also only shows 11 healthy forwards on top of Sammy. And one of the, and they have that, two point, that extra skater will be Lieber Hayek, period. Yeah, and they have they have $2.2 million in cap space. Stop quoting the five four point eight. Which Since false. he had Not Lieber true. Hayek in the Kachuk deal. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Lieber Hayek? I didn't, 
I didn't read. I haven't. Also, you're good for you. You're good for. I got a. I, I got a big chuckle out of ESPN dropping. Oh, here are your final off-season grades for your NHL teams, and I'm like, Nazem Kadri is literally sitting at a dinner table. Yeah, he hasn't signed with anybody. Speaking of sitting at a dinner table, so is Lou Lamarillo. He's yeah, <laughs> spotted if, at a table. If you do, yeah. if you do an NHL trade column and you're giving out a couple incompletes, that usually means it's too early to do the uh, recap column. Maybe you should wait a little longer. Kadri is either an Islander or back in the Colorado Avalanche, correct? I have no fucking idea. I wish I knew, Ryan. I wish one single rumor existed about this. <laughs> There's thing. no rumors at all. It's like it, we're not, It's not even open speculation. Like people, people in the know are like, well, the Islanders make a lot of sense, and they haven't done anything, so they pair the two together. But like, the Stars could make sense. I don't know why the Stars couldn't possibly make sense. The Senators have done a lot of interesting things. Why can't you go to Ottawa? The Ducks. Still need to spend money just to hit the floor. And they signed Strom, so it's clear that they have long-term visions. Ryan, I don't fucking know. I have no fucking idea. I love the Because there isn't a single rumor out there. Meanwhile, NBA Summer League drawing, like, NBA Finals, uh, NHL Final-type numbers. Not actually, but but ridiculous. Like, full storylines. Full storylines. Also, Scott Wheeler's uh, of of our former one. Former employers, top 50 NHL prospects dropped today. Only range around the top that, 50. Uh, that Phil, Philly's beat writer, by the way, of that company, having a really hard two days there on the on – the, it's a stupid question. I did not see uh, <laughs> I did not see what happened with the Philly beat writer. Uh, the, the athletic Philly's beat writer came hard to the defense of Jim Salisbury and for some reason flamed the sports anchor who released the video – of the Nick Castellanos exchange. Okay. And he's just like quadrupled down on it. Basically calling her like a, a fucking fake reporter saying she doesn't cover the team. She's never at the ballpark really going hard at her for no reason. And again, not even his fucking question. It's a, also, it's a bad fucking question. Did you hear the booze? No, I didn't. I went deaf. Yeah. I'd say the same shit. Cause it's a stupid fucking question. Yeah, I'm not going to – Cassiano's been bad this year, but I'm not going to blame him for saying that at all. Uh, No, but he's right. Like, ask a born pointed question. Like, are the boos having an impact on your play? What do you have to say to fans unhappy with your play? Do you think this team – do you think the boos you're receiving are directed to you individually or you you guys collectively? Like, you can ask better questions and have to make him answer the question. You You ask him if he heard the boos? Hey, do you hear the boos? What – okay – did you hear the booze? Yes. What's your follow-up question, you shithead? Like, what? where do you go from there? Are you a fucking idiot? Crazy, man. Crazy. Um. Anyway, back to the uh, Scott Wheeler, who I really like and respect. Had bit top 50 out there uh, for NHL prospects. I, think, I believe number 33 was Brendan Othman. Honorable mentions were Niels, Lundqvist, and Zach Jones. That's not a surprise to any of us, right, Othman? No, no. There, and that's it. it. I always find it interesting. The Athletic does this more often than any other site. Most sites give you top 100s. Uh, you and I are big believers in top 100s. And uh, it, Niels Lundqvist, as bad as his year was, is still firmly a top 100 prospect. Zach Jones, as uneven as his usage has probably been since he signed his contract, the fact that he's a top 100 prospect speaks highly to his development. Like, I don't know. I Most prospect lists, specifically Scott Wheeler, is not a criticism of his. They are new draft heavy the New York Rangers didn't have a pick until the middle of the second round a pick that a lot of people like a pick that seemingly has gotten a lot of praise but it's 
the Rangers weren't going to get a new player on this list. The fact that Othman is as high as he is, credit to him. Um, and I, I, I have no idea what the Rangers should do because they are literally in a rock and a hard place, right? He's not ready for the NHL. Not only is he not ready, if you bring him into the NHL, you have to give him top nine minutes that don't exist currently for the New York Rangers. But he's well beyond having to go back to the OHL. It's like sending your top prospect down to A-ball when they've already mastered it. I don't know. I know why this rule exists, right? They The, the Canadian Junior Leagues are super protective of the quality of their competition, and they don't want teams just signing players and immediately stashing them in the AHL. But it, this is just an outdated and dumb rule. Like, Othman should not be playing against children anymore. He should have to move on to the next step of his development. Right. Yep. And it's just silly that we're going to have to go through an entire year where he's either going to have to be asked to do too much or asked to do too little. And there's very clearly, like, what's his alternative? He turned, he goes pro in Europe? I don't even think that's allowed. Yeah, and the Rangers, there's no way they can bring him onto the team. I've seen a lot of people I mean, if, say that but if they could come. But if they do, Ryan, they have to play him. And right. then you're literally, guess what? You pissed off Vitaly Kravtsov for the fourth time. I was about to say, the, the only way Offman makes this team is if Kravtsov gets traded for some piece before the season and then Offman gets put in his place. That's it. But even then, but even then, we've said the Rangers, they're so against the cap right now, especially when Kako signs, that some piece you're trading Kravtsov for is, is a draft pick. That's yeah. all you can afford. Yeah, you'd get like a second rounder, maybe. Maybe for Vitaly Kravtsov. Maybe. Yeah. And why would you? Why no. would you do that? No. I mean, I the the Cooley the Cooley conversation I kind of understand, right? He's playing in the AHL. He's a big boy, and you big you boy. like he yes he's a young player. <laughs> but would like you feel boy. terrible if you were giving him fourth line minutes? Probably not, right? So like Cooley is an interesting candidate that I understand. Othman, you have to play, and you don't as a as the New York Rangers are currently constructed. You don't have the luxury of playing unproven young talent high in your lineup when you want to be a playoff team. Like this would have been a great situation for the Rangers to be in two years ago, right? Going into the 2019, 2020 season, Othman's too good for juniors and you have spots open in your lineup and you can challenge him. And if he's overmatched, Oh, well, this is all part of the development. At least you're not losing points in the standings because you're challenging a young player. Rangers can't afford to do it right now from a, we need every point we can get standpoint. And not to mention the fact that they're already relying on rather unproven wingers on the right side, right? Kako needs to, we need more from Kako. You need more from Lafreniere. You need anything from Kravtsov. These are guys you need a lot more from Hedl. The Rangers already have a lot riding on a lot of young players. They're not in a position to ask another young player who probably isn't ready for the NHL to be ready just because he's overqualified to be in the league that he's in. Just change the rules. Who gives – I understand that this is sacrilege to the people that live up north. But, Ryan, who gives two fucks about Canadian juniors? Who gives a shit? The, the Memorial the Cup fans. can lick my taint. The Memorial <laughs> Cup can lick my taint, Ryan. Wow. I okay. don't care. They're children playing for a trophy. I don't care if Hamilton wins next year or fucking Flint 
or wherever Some people else. in Canada right now are just like at their dinner table and the dinner table just started shaking. Like, honey, <laughs> honey <laughs> what, Steve, what's Steve, happening? Steve Dangle, Steve Dangle just had his heart rate go from like a low resting rate of 80 to 100. I don't think Dangle cares that much. It, it's it's more like, you know, the good old the good old natives. They're just like, what's going on? Oh, here? well, Jeff, Jeff Merrick is, is really pissed off at me right now just because I put this out into the world. That's I just true. don't care, Ryan. It's a developmental league. Why? I understand it has history and everything. You know what else is history? The International League in AAA. And I don't care how the Syracuse Mets do. Nobody does. I just don't. With that being said, let's get to Connor Rogers wrestling why in the Mets pod. We'll be right back with him. Transition. Hey, we're back with our guest of the day. Been meaning to have Connor out for a long time. He's the lead draft analyst for Bleacher Report. Also, it's the Mets pod for SNY. Connor Rogers, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, guys. I love what you guys do, so I'm excited to be on the show. Uh, thank you. I, I don't know why anyone loves what we do. It's uh, not BS either. Like I, <laughs> People always ask, like, doing podcasting for a living. They're like, what podcast do you listen to? And I'm like, honestly, none. I'm pretty sick of it when this is what I do, but I genuinely love your guys' show. Um, it's freaking awesome. So this is this is cool. Uh, unbelievable. We've had a couple people on, like Ishan, who works for the Washington Post. He's like, bro, we listen, I listen every week. I was like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no I, I'm... I'm kind of ruining this week for me because tomorrow it's going to pop up on the feed. Oh, I'm going to be no. like, well, I'm not going to listen to myself. So now I'm going to be two weeks without a pod, which kind of well, sucks for me. Connor, we got good news for you. The first 30 minutes of this podcast, dynamic. You're <laughs> okay. going to love it. <laughs> All right, perfect. Gonna, a, lot of, a lot of Daniel Vogelbach talk oh, because perfect. he's my favorite human being in the world. And we'll get to him. But I wanna, I'm going to start you off with, with a lob here. Uh, why don't you tell us about your Ranger fandom, how you became a Ranger fan? Because, again – most of the people that follow you, NFL draft analyst for Bleacher Report, a Mets podcast, and Jets coverage for SNY. So you kind of have the Rangers stuff hidden. So I think you gotta you gotta enlighten the world about Connor Rogers, New York Ranger fan. Right. At some point, you gotta sit back and and hold on to your fandom of something. And for me, it is absolutely the Rangers. And it, you know, it's funny to me when you said that because I think during the playoffs is the most I've tweeted about them. Because usually, tweeting about anything is just inviting yourself for uh, disaster. And so many Lightning fan fans had the same response to me every time. They were like, oh, like, of course, you start watching during the playoffs, Leopard Boy, because I'm like in a leopard shirt in my Twitter picture. And I'm like, I'm at the Garden in like November. I don't know what you want from me. I just don't tweet about it because at some point, this is the one sport that I truly I, I wouldn't say it to for the Mets. It's the same, but. I don't do any hockey content and I, and I love it that way. Like I'm truly a, I'm an irrational fan. So for the Rangers, for me, it's the only sports team I think that I got into on my own. Like I was at the Meadowlands and Shea stadium, basically the second I was out of a stroller. So that was very family ties. This is what we do. This is, you know, this is where you, who you root for and where you're going to be. And I, I love that. It's, it's awesome. I don't take that for granted, but with hockey, like growing up, my dad was definitely a Rangers fan, but not diehard like that. So for me, it was something that I got into probably more so when I was in high school when a lot of my friends were watching the Rangers and then college. And then when I moved down close to the city after college, I've been in Hoboken for eight years. I find it the easiest team to be immersed in. I don't know if it's because I'm a 15 minute ride from the path right into the garden. Uh, obviously, being out in New York City before the games, it's an easy place to get to for me but above all you know above all of that it's the best sporting event to attend and I just fell in love with the game fell in love with this team for about the last 15 years but I would say it's grown a lot since I've actually lived here and gotten to be so immersed with it and obviously it helps that 
you know, they kind of came out of the rebuild this year where it's like, okay, I, during the rebuild, you're watching it and you're like, okay, this is, this is fun. I'm watching the young players. I don't really care as much about wins or losses. And then we flipped that switch over so quickly this year where you're like screaming at the TV again. It felt like it was what, six years ago. So uh, I, I love the Rangers because it's truly the one side left of me. I think that can, I can be an irrational fanboy. Uh, yeah, and not only can you be a rational fanboy, but it's kind of like a hidden secret. This the city it's is true. so is so Yankees Mets focused. Obviously, when it's football season, you know this best. It's Giants Jets. The Giants Jets are just a disaster. And they're, they're awful. And the Rangers, they're just they they kind of sneak up. Like the Knicks are a disaster. And it's like all of a sudden, like hey, the Rangers are pretty good again. They have a star goalie. They have a star left winger. They have a Norris winning defenseman. And it's like I guess if I want to like watch good New York sports. I mean, besides the the Mets and the Yankees right now, of course, the answer was the Rangers and that was it. And to kind of, that's why there's, there's some momentum with the team right now. And they're sneaky fun, like a lot of great personalities, a lot of great development. And obviously the deep playoff runs are going to help, but the stories are over, Connor. There's nothing left to tell you. Like there's, <laughs> we're waiting for Capococco to sign. Yeah. It's going to be like $2 million a year ish. And then we're waiting for the season. What do you, what are you expecting personally as an irrational fan heading into next year? Well, I'll get this out of the way. Like I, I, when they got Trocheck, I oh. was ecstatic because I, I kind of put in my brain, right. We, we went over the, the two C scenarios a million times. Um, and you know, obviously you guys laid it out really well. Where like, if Greg, like if they got Stasny, it's like, okay, he'll be the three C and you give Heedle a shot. But you know, obviously there was that Ryan, there was that like 24 hours of like, holy crap, they're going to sign Malkin. Like all these different scenarios where, I kind of put a couple guys out of my brain immediately. Kadri, obvious for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even a guy like like all the guys in Winnipeg, really. I kind of put a lot of that in my brain. But including, I included Trocheck in that. He was my favorite player of them all because of the way he plays. He's obnoxious. He's obviously played well against us. Obviously, he wins faceoffs, which which everybody loves. But getting away from that, I think he's somebody that there's a little meat left on the bone when you put him on a second line with Panarin. I just never thought they'd be in the conversation. So when they got that done, I understand people's see, this is where I separate myself from jets or Mets Connor and Rangers Connor. Like, yeah, seven years is a long time. I don't care about these things. I want the Rangers to win the Stanley cup in the next two years. That's what I care about. When I turn on the Rangers or go to the garden, what eight times a year, like I want the Rangers to be really, really good. And when we cross that bridge where these 8,000 no move clauses and all this overbloated contracts, like, yeah, it's going to suck, but they're going to figure out a way to get through it. I just want to enjoy being a fan and not getting so obsessed with assets or lack of assets or bad assets because I do that so much in football. I do it enough now more recently in baseball that with the Rangers, I just want this team to be really good. And I do recognize that I hate getting caught up and saying, like, oh, now they have this window because like Kreider's, Manjad and Panarin all are a certain age, but I mean, they have the best goalie in the universe, right? So, like, your window's always open when you have the best goalie on the planet. And we see how quickly those things can change over the years. But that's that's the truth right now. So, the Trocheck move to me was awesome. Like you said, you just got to get Kako signed. We had, what, a fun 48 hours of Rangers fans trying to figure out how to get Kachuk, which was hilarious as much as he's one of my favorite players in the league, the way he plays. Now he, he no longer will be because he's on Florida. Yes. Like, that's not the kind of moves left for this team. This is the team. Now we just have to figure out a way to get over the hump of the Eastern Conference final and obviously win a Stanley Cup. But I feel pretty good about where they're at right now and how they can revisit that again at the deadline. We're in the dance. So, Connor, that 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 makes me ask the next question. So 
the the real difference from last year to this year is you've you've tr- gone from Ryan Strome to Vincent Trocheck. That's the one big tra- change. Then you take into every other consideration where on the plus side, you expect Heedle, Lafreniere, Kako all to take that logical next step forward, considering what they did in the playoffs. At the same time, irresponsible of us to assume Chris Kreider is going to score 50 goals again. Sure. Do you think the New York Rangers going into next season are better constructed for a long playoff run than the New York Rangers that we just saw lose game six to the Tampa Bay Lightning? I think so, and maybe this is just me being like an irrational fan or having Rangers-colored glasses on, but when I look at it, I think Lafreniere is just going to be a totally different player next year from start to finish. What we saw with him in the playoffs was a completely different attitude, a completely different player, uh, fearless. Now that they got that postseason experience and they got a lot of it, I think the Rangers have two things going into this year that we, no matter how much you love them as prospects or picks or whatever you want to be, you could not say it with a straight face for sure this time last year. They have a future stud defenseman in Keandre Miller playing now on the same team as Adam Fox. And I'm a Jacob Truba stan. I understand why Rangers fans get on him, but I really like Truba for what he is. I think that Keandre taking that next step and Lafreniere taking that next step is a totally different Rangers team. And that's me saying that I'm skeptical on Heedle taking that next step just because not for lack of talent. I just, you know, in, in football scouting, we have an old term that basically says, if you know, if you were hurt in college, you're going to be hurt in the NFL. And I think, unfortunately, for Heedle as a young player, he's just always got something going on, and it's always held him back from ever getting momentum. And until that goes away, it's hard for me to put that out of my head. But they can get by. They don't need all of these guys to be studs, right? If Lafreniere is what we think he'll be, we know what Keandre is already, and maybe you do have Kako finally stay healthy and, you know, he's shown flashes, that's enough to me because they have so much star power everywhere else. And the most important thing is, once again, they have the best goalie on the planet that makes up for wherever their deficiencies lie. So I I hate to be optimistic guy, and there's little things that annoy me, right? Like, what if I liked Tyler Mott back yeah, but you can't keep paying bottom six players over and over again. And they do have some really interesting guys that are going to be in camp, younger guys that uh, could fill that void. There's little things, right? Like we saw Reeves. Just, I love Reeves so much, but Reeves just can't really skate. So are you really going to play him for that many games next year and going into the postseason? That's a little, very small tweak. Um, then you just need to find the scoring to fill the void of, obviously, Strom leaving, but you brought Chocek in the young guys and then making up for the fact that Kreider's, yeah, he's not going to score that many goals, but let's not forget like Zibanejad had a slow start last year and then he got scorching hot. I think he'll, he won't start like that again. I'm convinced Panarin was significantly injured during the playoffs, no matter what they say. So I I don't know. Maybe I'm a blind optimist here, but I really do think it's enough that you get to the deadline. You know what your deficiencies are, which is the same thing I said about the Mets all year. And now they know where, you know, their problems lie and they're going to address them. And no matter how little money you have, you could still solve them from there. The one thing I wish the Rangers did, and maybe this is a dumb take, but they got a million defensive prospects and they're all just losing value over time. And only one guy is going to have a role, whoever wins that sixth defenseman role in camp with Schneider. I would have maybe tried to explore moving one of those guys for a draft asset, but I understand that's just not where they are as a franchise. A couple things, because I have a lot to respond to you about. Uh, I think you made a great point about Philip Heedle, and I think you can make the same case about Cabo Caco, is that he's a little bit injury prone. I've never said it about Cabo Caco, but now that you've said it, 
just kind of put it in my brain. I'm like, hey, he's like broken his wrist, kind of had shoulder problems, had a really weird first year. He's been a little injury prone. Also got COVID like 19 times. Great job. Uh, on top of that, you mentioned trading the prospects. Well, this year's draft was kind of doo-doo. Like that's that's sure. what, yeah, that's what everyone point. thought about the around yeah. the NHL. Like, hey, they took Shane Wright at four. Like, that's very strange. He's a top. He was a top two pick, easily top one probably. And if you're going to trade Niels Lundqvist, and I'm sh- I assure you, Chris Drury went out there and called people to try and trade Niels Lundqvist. There was a big story last year in the middle of the year that Niels Lundqvist had not requested a trade but asked to move. It was like a story for like two weeks and then went super quiet. But I don't. That's why I think Jones is going to win that spot. And if you're going to trade Niels Lundqvist, it's going to be at this deadline, maybe for a bigger piece. Maybe you're trading out more pieces like Heedle with Niels Lundqvist for a bigger piece to make a bigger push at the deadline this year. Or you're trading for draft picks next year in a draft that's absolutely loaded that you're going to get first round talent in the middle of, uh, you know, early second round next year. So it's that's, that's kind of where you're going. Like, if I'm going to trade Niels Lundqvist, do I want to get this year's draft picks or am I looking to get next year's? And every other GM knows that, but also the NHL, and you're never going to believe this, has a lot of stupid GMs. So maybe you can actually convince somebody to get some like a higher pick for Niels Lundqvist again next year, if that makes sense. Dude, hockey offseason to me is is wild. Like it's just absolutely wild to me how the offer sheet thing, which I know you guys always talk about, it's truly hilarious how you have this option in the league and just nobody uses it to not create bad blood. But there's so many times it would be like a functional piece, like. It's just so fascinating to me the deeper and deeper I get into it because we just went through a rebuild with the Rangers, and that was the first time in my life that I was immersed in like what they were doing in the third round. So uh, it's a great point about this draft. And, you know, I just worry that we do get to the point where it's like, man, they waited so long, and now they won't be able to get anything in return for guys that were once extremely, extremely touted, hyped, promising. But you're right that it, sometimes that doesn't matter at all. I mean, we just saw Georgiev go for three a, picks. A Three. Oh, insane. That, that's insane. crazy. We were slandering not only Gorton at the time, but Chris Drury for over years for not trading Georgiev for more. And I think, Greg, you and I could easily say that we were thinking they were going to get like a fourth rounder, and he got three total picks for it. Crazy shit. Yeah. And they paid I mean, him. Right. I, the, the Georgiev thing, it's like I can be impressed the Rangers did as well as they did when they did, but it also doesn't change the fact that while they were looking for a first, they could have gotten more for him just if you weren't looking for that first before you got to this point in the season. Connor, my question for you, because you bring up how wild the NHL offseason is, and I know that you mean wild as in how just non-traditional it is. In any other sport, this long after free agency opened, if one of the clear-cut top three free agents who had just won a Stanley Cup and played an important role on that championship team was still a free agent. Would you go this long without a single rumor about that player? No, it's, it's bizarre. Honestly, the, the insider game is definitely really different in hockey and I I can't really wrap my head around it. I don't know if it's because you have, you know, what's fascinating with the NHL is you have a ton of different, nationalities at play and maybe that and this is me i have no idea the answer to this so maybe there's a ton of different agents um and the connections to information is just different or i don't understand like in the nfl right like this is the nfl is is truly covering the nfl covering the nfl draft is truly my day-to-day job and i've obviously you gather info or you try to gather info or i sit on about 99 percent of the things i hear but 
everybody's got a reason. And that's why the info gets out from every single angle immediately at the NFL level. It's not just that the way the league is covered, how magnified it is and how insane it is. It's that everybody's got a reason. Everybody's getting out in front of things where the NHL, it's so bizarre to me how rarely that happens, where you'd expect the team to try to have their angle, the player to try to have their angle and the agent involved with the player to have his angle. And then outside sources trying to either drive down that player's number or try to drive up the player's number for the team. Like it's such a bizarre league in that it's so rare for teams to truly step on each other's toes because I don't know if it's, they're trying to keep the player market so tame or what it is, but no, it's, I mean, I can tell you from day to day, the NFL is not like that. Baseball for the most part is not like that. Hockey is very unique in that sense. I don't know if you've seen this, but LeBron and, and Friedman literally copy-paste uh, text from a group chat to break news. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. crazy. Like they, and then they, you have Bobby Margarita comes out on free agency day and is, like, breaking news left and right. And the, it was the guy, like, retired for a year. He's still so retired. It's, just, it's not yeah, a, he's still retired. Yeah, he's still retired. <laughs> like, let me do this for fun. Let yeah, me do like, this hey, for actually, fun. It's I hilarious. Stuff. Yeah, I do this for fun. And as much as I hate to admit, like, I think Friedman knows a lot more than he's willing to tell you. Mostly, they all do. They all do. They're they're all willing. Not like we somehow, and I can't believe this, got into the insider game over the past two years. <laughs> like we've gotten tips, we've gotten tricks. I've kind of sure. known some things that have happened before they've happened. But the fact that these guys that are there, it's their job to break stories. Like Frank, uh, Frank Cervelli had one. I think he had the expansion draft, but he had like a list, so he was breaking all the expansion draft stuff beforehand. But outside of that, a lot of these guys haven't broken a story in like a very long time. And they all, they all just talk to the agents. They sit in a group chat and they go, okay, we're going to announce this in five minutes. Post it. I'm like, all right, cool. You got permission to post at 1140 AM. And they all post it at the same time, the exact same stuff. It's like, whoa, I say this every podcast, but Woj knows what Ben Simmons ate for lunch next Tuesday. It's, well, again, it's crazy. Again, Woj, Woj at 2.30 in the morning dropped Kevin Durant news. 2.30 in the morning. He didn't wait. He's like, no, I got the news. I'm running with it now. Unreal. Dude, those, those guys... They literally, they don't sleep the week of free agency. They just nap, like, when they can, and it's barely napping. And it goes for the same with Schefter, Rappaport, all those guys. I mean, it's that kind of game, and it's that vital. And here we are, how many weeks post-free agency, and and we have literally not a breadcrumb on Kadri, who was, you know, hilariously tied to everybody the, the week before. I made I made the joke the other day, and it was true that there had been more Michael Conforto rumors in the last seventy two hours than Nazan Kadri rumors. Yeah, and yeah. Is there Conforto, Conforto is not rumors? playing. There are because now it's like, well, he might play in September, so now some teams are poking around on Conforto. But it it's ridiculous that there are more viable what team will sign Conforto than people just speculating that boy the Islanders have done nothing. Maybe they'll sign Kadri. Like at some point, just like either buy into it or just do something i'm begging you i mean even kachuk wasn't it that we were just sitting there and it was like out of nowhere it was like oh florida traded for him and it's like okay and then it was not not just that it took two days for people to realize it was a sign of trade yes (laughs) yes that and the fact that like you have these top flight players in the deal that we haven't heard a peep around and i get kachuk moves the needle totally differently but I don't know. You just don't even hear the slightest bit of things until it's a fit. It's almost on the transaction wire by the time it's out. It's 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 disgusting. Let's talk about the Mets for a few minutes. Max Scherzer went to the Brooklyn Zoo, uh, Bronx Zoo, rather. Um, this has been a uh, obviously the season has been 
I guess uplifting. A new I'm not a Mets guy. Greg very much is a Mets guy. Oh, I know. <laughs> yes. And uh this whole season uh, you've been covering it for SNY on the Mets pod. I'm assuming it's just been refreshing. It's been a different animal. It's been a different breed of Mets history. Tell me what it's been like covering the team comparatively to uh, past years. Yeah, it has. And and you know it's funny for me. I wouldn't start a Mets pod until the rumor started that Steve Cohen was going to buy the team because I just would, I wouldn't do it during the Wilpon era. Like I said, like my day-to-day job is football. So the Mets project was for fun at originally during a dead time of year. I'm, I'm pretty light during the summers until preseason football really gets going. So, uh, you know, my buddy, Joe DeMeo, who's my co-host, I hit him up because he covers the Mets minors on the side as a side gig. And I was like, let's, you want to just do this for fun. We'll do it once a week. It seems like the franchise can go in the right direction uh, if Cohen really does buy the team. And, you know, we were covering it the whole wave of he's, he's going to get the team. He's not going to get the team. And and then, it, it you know, Passion Project Classic turns into uh, SMY was, you know, obviously signed on for us to be their podcast. So now it's it is more serious and it is a lot of fun. And I do find myself, you know, on Sundays and Mondays because we record Tuesday mornings like you better freaking win this game because I don't want to be miserable recording this podcast right now. And I don't want the fans being miserable. So we've been really lucky that our first year with SMY things have been really, really uh, positive for the most part. And listen, Mets fans, they're the best, but you know, and they're not wrong usually with this stuff, but they can uh, get PTSD, really bad flashbacks. Not sure what I know what you're talking about. Uh, Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you could have one game where they get shut out and everybody's like, here we go again. The Braves are coming. Like, here we go again. And it's like, okay, I get it. But things are a little different now with this owner, with this front office, uh, with this roster in general. And, you know, it's been I've been really lucky that our first year with SMY, it's been all positive. Uh, all good feelings around the team, mostly good feelings around the fan base. I don't think any, I think everybody would be on pins and needles until, and hopefully that they clinch the division understandably. But once again, it's, it's nice when you're not covering a, a, a meltdown, right? Uh, I was going to ask you, Connor, cause I, I, I see this in our discord and on my timeline from our mutual Met fan friends that some people are acting like the, the roof's caving in despite the Mets having – it's not the Mets' fault that they have the second-best record in the league and the Braves have the third-best record in the league. And it's not the Mets' fault that the Braves have been playing 750-win percentage yeah. baseball over the last two months while the Mets have simply been playing 550 baseball over the last two months. Like, at some point, you just shrug your shoulders and say, if they win the division, they win the division, but they've essentially clinched a playoff spot. And Mets fans are just like, no, no, it's, this is fucking it. Everything's terrible. The sky's falling nobody's healthy we're not hitting and i'm just like guys they're 22 games over 500 they have a 630 win percentage what more do you need what are we doing dude it's it's crazy and i have a pretty good pulse of you know the four teams that i grew up rooting for their fan bases which is the the jets mets rangers and knicks and nothing comes even close to the mets fan not like not even remotely close and I think a lot of that does stem a little bit from the fact that it, the Jets, there's just been uh, a feeling of nothing for a long time, unfortunately, and the Knicks a little bit of the same. But with the Mets, it is, even in the worst years, it is so intense. It is so crazy. And I think people just, with baseball specifically, really struggle to step back and look at the big picture of a season 
that is so, so long and that people get caught up in sample sizes a lot, especially sample sizes that are not, you know, that are related to injury or aren't related to injury. My thing with the Mets is postseason baseball, like playoff hockey, is a lot different. The Mets have constructed this team where they want to go into the postseason with Jacob deGrom starting the first game, fingers crossed. Max Scherzer starting the second game. You're probably looking at Chris Bassett or Taiwan Walker, and whoever you don't have is an incredible option for a game four or bullpen. And that's how they want to build the team, and that they knew they'd be a little bit deficient in the power area, something that is often a cost-effective option at the trade deadline. And I think a lot of people struggle to get to the trade deadline nowadays because it's such a long wait, especially it being August 2nd this year. And, and that when you just look at it, people really live so day to day by baseball when you should always be trying to live big picture. It's, it sucks when they lose. I get it. Nobody's more angry than me. Usually when they lose just in stupid ways. No, Greg's right there. Greg's right yeah, there. Exa- we're all, in, <laughs> we're all the same. Us Mets fans. We're all exactly the same. But when you're right, Greg, the fact that, yeah, we'd love to win the division. It'd be fun. It'd be nice. But if they get into the playoffs with a healthy DeGrom, a healthy Scherzer, and they get another bat at the deadline, there's just no reason this team can't win a World Series. And people think I'm insane saying that. But that's when you go back and look at how World Series are won, it's based on who your number one, number two, and sometimes number three starters are. And then everything else falls under in place. Yeah, like when your ace is pitching in the sixth, you know, about to go to the sixth inning and Mookie Betts is up, like maybe you don't pull him, Rays. Maybe you don't pull him, Rays. Oh, it's <laughs> insane. Uh, sorry, I still get upset about I, that. Yeah, but the thing you always forget, Ryan, is you scored one fucking run that game. It's still not the pitcher's fault. <laughs> Did not like, forget. Score, score more. It was a one nothing game when you took him out. It wasn't going to end one nothing. Disgusting. Uh, I do find myself yelling at umps more than ever this year, and I can't figure out if they've gotten worse or if technology has gotten so much better. It's technology. Right, it, it has to it's, be. I don't know. Do you follow, like, umpire scorecards? Yeah, I'm, I'm way too online when it comes yeah. to yelling at umps. It's... Yeah, like, I mean, even I think about the Saturday game specifically when the Mets essentially lost because Bassett, uh, ran, uh, Jim Wolf missed the called third strike on Manny Machado. Yeah, he struck out Machado. Yeah. Yeah, and the next pitch was a two-run homer even though the pitch was before the was strike three, and that's the game. Like, I get it. The Mets scored one run, as I just said to Ryan. Like, anything could happen, but at the same time, it's just like, that's an immediate cost right there for the Mets, where the pitch before was strike three, it was missed, and the next pitch was a hanging breaking ball. And, you know, if things were different, they'd be different. I understand that. Now, Connor, here's the thing that we really need to get into, because I haven't done enough justice talking about this man since this podcast started. And I know the New York Mets need to make more moves. But Daniel Vogelbach, I don't think there. I think there's a portion of the Mets fan base that was down on his acquisition because they're like, oh, why are we just getting this guy? He's a one trick pony. This is a cost cutting Met move that Steve Cohen is supposed to be going out to get these big pricey guys. And I'm like, he does one thing the Mets can't do, which is a lefty that hits righties. And he's a big, powerful guy. And not to mention that. Look at him. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. If he scores from first at any point in the next two months. I'm going to be unclothed. It's going to be amazing. Dude, I'm I'm in love with him. I was saying, I texted my buddy today. I was like, whenever, if they go up 12-2 in a game the rest of the season, I need him in right field. Like, I just need him out in the outfield, shagging fly balls, running full speed. He's, I mean, people aren't ready for this yet, but he's going to run this city. Give it a month, and this will be Danny Vogelbach's city. I, when they made this move, People were so mad about Colin Holderman, which was just 
I no. don't do that. Don't get it. Everyone's like, oh, why are you going to trade a reliable reliever? 17 innings this man has thrown. And he's, he's 27 innings. Yeah. Like, my he, goodness. What are we? I get it. The Mets bullpen. We all have PTSD from every bad Met bullpen that's ever existed. And I understand that trusting Adam Adovino to be the bridge to Edwin Diaz is too far in my head. I agree. Colin Holderman was not fixing that. This guy's he's not. What are we doing? What are we doing? He's not fixing that. And that's they're going to go out and get multiple relievers at the deadline. Like they're going to do it. There's a 0% chance. They don't acquire not one reliever. I think they get two. And when you go back to, you know, the Mets, their idea is to preferably platoon the DH spot because Buck wants to play everybody and they want to play splits. When you look at Dom Smith, who was in this role before Vogel back, I mean, a 560 OPS against righties against righties. And no, home, he hasn't hit a home run in over a year. And then you look at Vogelback, and he's a guy that's hitting almost at a 900 OPS against righties with 12 home runs. All 12 of his home runs are against the righties. That the Mets, like every team in baseball, obviously playing the numbers, playing analytics, but specifically at DH, they don't need a guy that's going to play every day. They're going to play a left-handed specialist and a right-handed specialist. And now they got their guy that mashes against righties but also has an incredible aesthetic doing it, weighing 270 pounds. He can go from being the Mets DH, and then whenever the Mets season ends, he can go play defensive line for the Jets, or he could be a crease-clearing defenseman for the Rangers, and this will be Danny Vogelback's town of New York City. I guess that brings us right to the Jets, right, Greg? Well, before that, I do do want to know who you think the Mets get at the deadline, because I will say that, I saw the Vogelbach thing coming, but I, I, I honestly, I'm pretty lost what else they might do. I hate how much, I, I shouldn't say hate, I'm underwhelmed by how much legit stuff, not just on Twitter, but a couple, the few people that I do talk to that are a little bit plugged in with the deadline with the Mets, how much is around Mancini right now? Because that just doesn't move the needle for me a lot. As I, much see, as, I, it, I like Mancini. I, I really like do. him. I, I want to love whatever they do, and I just like him but I just don't think it's going to be Josh Bell. And that's the move I would I would really, really love because he's the same guy from both sides of the plate. The numbers are almost identical as a switch hitter. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I am also really? not a Josh yeah, Bell guy. Yeah, Bell I, guy. I, I, I don't like him. We're well, they're not, like him. I don't think it's going to happen anyway. I don't think they're going to get that one done. I think the Nationals would charge a tax. I would love Wilson Contreras here. I'd be really surprised, especially – Trading Pete Crow Armstrong to the Cubs last year. They don't want to dump another top prospect to them for a rental, which is purely what he is with Alvarez on the way next year. And then Alvarez now, Connor, I'm just saying. Listen, I I was holding off for so long, and I'm getting to the point where I'm like, all right, maybe what do you have to lose? Right? It can't be worse. It cannot be worse. It, It depends on the kid, right? Like some guys you do need to really handle very carefully. And because they are on a developmental curve that it can ruin them. He's he's not that kind of kid. He's a 20-year-old that if he came up and he stunk, he would be completely fine from a mindset perspective and perspective in tra- uh, spring training next year. Like one that's my, that's why I feel a little differently about this one. Now. One of my favorite quotes was uh, he was talking about. He's like, "Soto was up at 19. I'm 20. I'm still down here. What's up with that?" <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. he's got that dog in him. <laughs> yeah, get, no, he, he does. Yeah, he does. I mean, I know DeGrom already has spoken highly of him when he got to throw to him. I, it's I don't I think they will get two relievers. Relievers are impossible to predict who they get because there's 80 million names in the market. because That's the thing that gets sold off the most. 
Um, they might get you know, and then, from the Rays as well. I mean, the Rays, I know they're still yeah. in it. They're going to push for it, but they just had two season-ending surgeries today, and Wander Franco is out for another, like, eight weeks. I, I do wonder yeah, if so the Rays Ma- Shane, Shane McClanahan, New York Met. Yeah, we yeah, all no, no, no. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will say the one reliever, Connor, I don't – I just – David Robertson bores me so much that I just yep. don't want him on the Mets. Like, yep. I just – I can't handle it. But I at the same time, I can't sit here – I know a couple relievers are having good years in Oakland that I'd like. But I don't think a Met fan's going to get excited for Domingo Acevedo as much as I would. No, and because they, they, they just they don't see them play, right? It's the Oakland situation. Like, how many Met fans had ever watched Mark Canna or Chris Bassett play before this year, right? Like, it's it goes back to that. It's we played dynasty baseball, and that's the only reason we knew who they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm in a keeper league for fantasy, and it's the only reason I know you know a lot of non-Mets that are are just random players because of fantasy baseball. I mean, one, the, the biggest like wild card here for me guys is the Orioles keep winning and they would have been a great selling team. Three games Jorge out. Lopez has been an excellent reliever for them this year. Obviously Mancini's probably going to go anyway. Cause he's, he's, a, he's going to walk. He's a rental. Uh, there's so the giants are another team. Like there's so many teams with the expanded playoffs that should be in a normal year selling. And now they're selling that glimmer of hope to their fan base, which I respect. I respect it, but it's not fun when you're trying to be a powerhouse like the Mets, Dodgers, Yankees, Braves, all, all those teams. Well, I think the real the real problem this year in baseball is that the bad teams are really bad and they don't have pieces to trade. Like, are you going to convince the Reds to trade uh, Diaz's brother? Like, that's yeah. essentially all you can do. He's the only guy doing anything. And I, as much as I enjoyed Brandon Drury last year, got to tell you, don't need it back in my life. I'm good. I get he's having a good year. I just want something different. I get it. That's that was, and I, I'm pretty sure, Greg. I'm pretty sure you said this. That was exactly my thought. Ryan Strom, like I don't care how much good he's done. Yeah. I just I need you something. Need some, you different. need something new. You need something new. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. something new, how about something old? Zach Wilson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice job. Good uh, transition. Hey, I'm good. Dynamite I'm good. Transition. No, but seriously, is he going to be good? Because he's like my starting quarterback on one of my teams. I mean, I really am a Zach Wilson believer. I had him as my second quarterback in that draft. I thought he was – a lot of people did not think he was worthy of the second overall pick. I I did. And I think it was a tale of two seasons. I think it was horrendous the first half of last year, and I think he really settled in the second half of the season against some really good teams at times. So, listen, I, the Jets roster was not good last year, and it's a lot different this year where he's throwing – to a second-year Elijah Moore, a first-year Garrett Wilson. They got three tight ends that could play. They got an all-pro guard in Lakin Tomlinson. They got a good young play caller in Mike LaFleur. I think Wilson's going to figure it out. I really do. I don't. I, people that want that Mahomesian kind of jump or that Joe Burrow-Herbert kind of jump are going to be disappointed, but I think he'll take a step forward. And if you do that as a 22-year-old quarterback in the NFL, you are on a very, very special path. So I think he's going to be fine. I don't have any other questions about the NFL because I just think the Jets and Giants are just a disaster. Well, I would, yeah, I would just ask which which New York team finishes with more wins. Oh man, I I, maybe Jets. I'm biased. I think it's the Jets. I really do. I, I think the Giants are in this. The Giants know what they are, right? You hired Joe Shane as a GM. You got a first year coach in Brian Dable. They're rolling it out with Daniel Jones, but they signed Tyrod Taylor in case things fall apart. There, the Giants know they're a team in transition. While the Jets, there's a little bit more pressure not to make the playoffs but to win football games and, and I think that's on Joe Douglas I think Robert Sala feels that I think the pressure just changes things a little bit where 
I mean, guys, we could be talking about the Jets win six or seven games and the Giants win five. That's kind of, I yeah, hate to I was, say it like, but that's what, that's how I'm talking about. I was going to say six and a half as the Jets line. And if you'd go over or under. Yeah, it, it's, it's been at, it opened at five and a half. I don't know if it moved. I, I think they win seven games this year. I really do, which is with a 22 year old quarterback and a second year coach. I know that might not excite a lot of people, but in the NFL that, you know, that does mean something. You just have to stay on the right trajectory. You can never dip back down. And the next year, you got to make the playoffs. And then the year after that, you need to be a legitimate contender in the AFC, which good luck with that. It's good not luck, easy. Dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mahomes and Josh Allen for the next, like, 10 years. Burrow? The entire <laughs> AFC West. What the fuck is that division? Like, Insane. I, I'm not a big Raiders guy, but even I have to say, like, in any other division, the Raiders are a 10-win team. Any it's other bananas. division. Yeah, it's bananas. And then you, you do have to deal with that, maybe not this year, but in the future, Deshaun Watson is going to be a factor. It's just... Oh, yeah, totally forgot about it. Right? Yeah. Everybody forgets. I mean, understandably, it's uh, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. The uh, shifting of power or the, the contrast in power between the AFC and NFC at the most important position in sports. I just don't... The, the NFC, just outside of Rodgers and Brady, like, what's going on there? I have not much, to be honest. Bray Lance. That's why. Sure. Congratulations. <laughs> they took the ketchup bottles down. It's all over Pittsburgh. All right. Um, Connor, that's it. That's it, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Anything you want to plug before we get out of here? No, I mean, listen, you guys, you guys did enough. The Mets pod for the Mets stuff. Um, you know, I'm at Connor J Rogers on Twitter. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. This is a lot of fun. You guys do honestly such a good job. I'm, I'm not going to listen to myself when this it's pod okay. drops, I but I, I will listen to the intro, which is always a good balance this time of year of nonsense and hockey information. If you ever need well, a Mets expert on your show, I'm your guy. I got your guy. <laughs> I hear. I've heard rumors of that. <laughs> I will, I'll, final one for me, Connor, and then I'll let you go, and you can make this one nice and quick. Uh, who are you putting – you're the draft guy with the NFL for Billy to report. So who is your money on – for offensive rookie of the year, man, I, I really like the. There's two ways to play it, right? There's who you think's gonna win, and then who you like the value of. I liked when Brees Hall opened at plus nine hundred because the Jets are just gonna run the ball eight million times this year, and they they have a pretty expensive offensive line that they believe in, and Brees Hall is just uh, he's the dude on the in that running in that you know with the wide receivers. It's so hard to predict their targets. Jamison Williams is coming off an injury. The Falcons stink. Otherwise, I'd really, really like Drake London. There's no quarterback. Uh, so I chased the value. And the value for me was with Brees Hall because the team's going to run a lot. He's super talented. And if you put, I mean, come on, guys, you put 10 bucks on plus 900, you're still sitting pretty. I, I, I would have gone Olave, but that's just because I think the Saints are going to throw the ball a bunch. In if so Jamis stays healthy and Michael Thomas can. Uh, borderline stay reasonable or out of the way that's that's a really really nice one because he will he will fit in with that offense really nicely and Jameis was on a great great path last year before he got hurt for the year Jameis Winston one of one Connor Rogers thank you so much for joining us we'll talk to you soon thank you guys all right we're done with the show you can follow me on Twitter at Orion me you can follow Greg at Bush's break we're back next week love you guys bye all right, at the end of the podcast every single week, you know what I do. I thank the top supporters of the NHL Insiders Club, the most exclusive club of the Blue Shirts Breakaway Discord, and uh, other things, of course. And we want to thank them personally for making this show happen every single week for the last uh, 70,000 years. So, without further ado, Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Catrullo, Adam Keach, Alex Gardner, Anthony Tarragon, Ben Waters, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, Bill, uh, Brandon Lacos, Brett, Mc, Brett McGinnis, hey, Brett, Congrats on moving during the hottest day of the year. Brian Doyle, <laughs> Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallett, Broadway Bleacher Bleeder, 
Chris Videlli, Chris Haru, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezen, David Aaron, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Gib Gardner, Cup, Garrett Gretzky, Garrett McFly, Harris Asko, Hip Hip 89, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, Jamie Filipponi, Jerry Muckers, JD, Jimmy Mack, JJ Freaky JJ, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundergog, Jordan, Josh Kistenbob, Justin Freeman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Leshik Gronowski, Leshik Gronowski, Leshik, I think, oh god, I practiced so many times before this, I hope that's right, Luigi Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas Nicola. Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kovar, Pro World of Tank Gamer. You know, I had a roommate, and the only game he would play was World of Tanks. And we used to, like, go into his room and say World of Tanks in, like, 16 different languages. I know in Spanish, it's El Mundo de Tancos. That's, that's as much as I remember of that roommate, to be honest with you. Randy Tester, Sean Tackard, Sean, Stephen Manella, Stig Bullbox, Weingart, Tom Welsh, Tom Siglary, Tom Rich Jr., Tom, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Upstate, Vin, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Bark, bark. Another week, another episode. Uh, I'm going to pitch this to Greg, but I'm going on vacation. I know. Unbelievable. I'm not pitching me going on vacation to Greg. But I will be leaving the States, going to the good old city of Montreal where they passed on Shane Wright uh, for a week or two. And uh, we're going to have to pre-record an episode so you know what that means. Capo Caco is going to sign the day I leave for the BSBOT and the regular show. And also they'll probably sign Teller Mott or they'll do some massive trade or there'll be an offer sheet. So that's August 5th. I leave August 5th. That's my birthday. That's the day Capo Caco is going to get traded. It's fucking awesome. I cannot wait. Uh, but... I would like to hear from you, if you're still listening for some reason, what should we do as a pre-recorded episode? I've never seen the movie Miracle. I thought about we, us doing that. What else could we do? Should we do a tier list of players? Weird situations? You want conspiracy theories? What do you want? What do you want? So DM me on Discord. DM me on Twitter. Whichever it is. Ask. Just be like, Ryan, here's a stupid idea. And I'll be like, hey, that is stupid. But we might do it. Or... I'm like, thanks for asking. Appreciate you telling me this because I want to know what you want to hear for a... Again, we only pre-record like one or two episodes a year because Greg and I hardly take vacations because we're psychos and we do this show every week. No matter where we are, I've done it on vacation in Switzerland on a mountain. I've done it in a lot of weird places. God, this stupid show. All right. We love you guys. We'll be back next week. Send the ideas my way. Twitter DMs, Twitter mentions, Discord, whatever. See you guys soon. Bye.